This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2017. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and I'm joined today by Shannon Morse. Shannon, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. So in case you guys don't know who Shannon is, she does two really cool shows, Tech Thing and Hack 5, right? Yes, that's correct. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about what they are. So both of those shows are video podcasts, and there's a series of different shows that I do on the channels for Tech Thing and Hack 5, uh, but those are the main uh, shows that I do. Tech Thing is all about consumer devices, technology, and gadgets. So we do reviews, we do how-tos, sometimes interviews with experts. My favorite part personally is the reviews because I get to play with all the cool new gadgets. (laughs) And then Hack 5 is all about uh, internet security, privacy, and internet freedom. We do a lot of hacking uh, type of uh, tutorials for white hats. Of course, we don't teach anything that you shouldn't do. And we also do a lot of making and DIY projects on that show. So both of them are a lot of fun. Sweet stuff. So obviously, net neutrality is a big deal right now, right? So I'm sure you you had lots of shows talking about that. We we can touch on that if you want, because I'm a huge proponent. I I don't think there's anybody listening to this that's anti-net neutrality. And it's kind of a disaster what's going on right now. So, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, don't (laughs) tell me about it. (laughs) Right. I mean, what do we do to stop it or to prevent it from getting reversed? There's really very little we can do. I feel so powerless right now. I feel the same way. Unfortunately, there's nothing that we really can do except for, you know, keep on calling our congressmen and calling our senators and everybody and letting them know how we feel about it. I mean, we've already been told by Ajit Pai himself that our our opinions don't matter, but they do matter to the people that we vote for. So those are the ones that I've really, really been, you know, informing of my opinion. (laughs) And even just simply sending them a tweet and stuff like that can really, really offset, you know, who's going to cancel out net neutrality as opposed to who is really for it, for it. So I highly, highly suggest that people try to contact whoever they can. And that is super good advice. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, you know, vo- uh, call everyone. There is, I think, a website the EFF is hosting that lets you do it in one click. Yes, there is. So do it. Like, you have no reason not to do it. I know it sounds scary to have to call Congress people and, and other, you know, elected officials because you don't know where to start, but they make it easy for you. I will put a link in the show notes to this, to this thing. Uh, the decision is on the 14th of December. We pretty much know what the outcome is going to be. We're just starting this fight, right, Shannon? Yeah, exactly. You know, it comes back here and then uh, ever since the early 2010s. And we just we can't really stop talking about it. So we need to keep on bringing it up every single time they bring in a new title or new regulation. uh, It's a big deal. And I've been following it throughout the years on my show Threatwire, which is run on that Hack 5 channel. And while different regulation has come up, net neutrality has always been around. So the fact that they are really wanting to just cancel it all out in December is very scary. And it's a really big deal. Uh, I just hope that people realize it. And I hope that, you know, folks go in and read the regulations that they're trying to introduce and the try- that they're trying to get rid of, because a lot of the things that we hear online may not be factual. So it's Correct. always a good idea to read those documents. 
Yeah. So, you know, what you can do, obviously, other than going to this one-click EFF thing I'm going to link in the notes, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, if you have, you know, you can do more research and get more, a little bit in more in-depth if you like, but tell your friends too. Tell your friends, tell your family, to explain to them why this matters, right? Uh, and if you don't understand, maybe, Shannon, do you want to give you like the the 10 second spiel as to why net neutrality matters and what they're about to do and how it could change things? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you'll probably want to help me on it since I, I have like 36 hours of jet lag on me. But oh boy. <laughs> I know, right? It's pretty bad. <laughs> I just got back from Japan. That's so, right. So um, net neutrality is basically where a um, where the government, the FCC in particular, is making sure that ISPs cannot charge extra money to different companies online or block certain sites that they don't agree with that you currently have access to. So while we have everything in place as we do now, you're able to access whatever you want for the same price uh, for your ISP. Like, so I pay exactly. Comcast 50 bucks a month, or actually it's more than 50 bucks a month now because my price went up, but I pay them a little over 50 bucks a month for access to whatever websites I want to go to. Right. And it's the same across the board. If net neutrality was taken away, they would not be regulated. So that wouldn't be in place anymore. Yeah, and they exactly. would have full ability to either charge you extra if you wanted to watch, to Netflix, watch Netflix, for example, exactly. which is a competitor to Comcast, or they could charge Netflix more money to, you know, to allow them to have faster connections to your home. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you suddenly notice that Netflix is being slowed down on your ISP's connection. It could be because net neutrality was no longer in place and they decided to regulate them. Uh, so it is very important that we keep those regulations in place to make sure that ISPs know their place. Uh, they've yep. had a lot of freedom in the past to collect data on users and to they've done these kind of things in the past too. And there has been um, there have been court cases about these things. So it's really important that we keep on top of it and we make sure that the ISPs don't get those kind of freedoms. Totally. And you know, it's another example would be if you're a developer and you create a, the, the next version of Netflix, like the next big thing, you won't have an opportunity to, for it to become the next big thing if, you know, Comcast or Verizon or Time Warner or whoever it is decides to block you because yeah, you're not exactly. a big player yet. You'll never get a chance to be a big player. And so it destroys uh, all of what the internet is about, which is equal access to everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, the, this is not just about the ISPs, it's also about mobile carriers. Right. Um, you know, they're all in bed with each other right now. The mobile carriers are behaving pretty well and they're not directly affected by this stuff, but they could, you know, this could be like the waterfall effect where they start doing stupid things because they can get away with it at the ISP level. So just be aware of that. And yeah, I think that's kind of the the, sum of, the summary of it. Sorry to put you on the spot, but I figure, you know, it's a topic oh, I think that it's I'm- a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a topic you probably have to deal with often. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Cool. So that's what I told you. I told you this this show is full of tangents and segues. We started with one because just before we started the recording, we were going to talk about phones and we were still going to talk about phones, but we're also going to talk about laptops because you, like me, some I mean, I don't do it as much as you, but you review laptops. I do review laptops. And it's kind of cool because you play with laptops that I never get my hands on. So before we get to the laptops, uh, let's quickly talk about a phone that you, well, that you just got and I had just gotten on the last podcast and that's the uh, OnePlus 5T. 
So, 30 minutes into it, what do you think? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm so soon off of the plane that I opened up my packages at work today and I was like, oh, I got the new 5T to review. Cool. Yeah, so this is the OnePlus 5T. It's the, I guess you would say it's the upgrade from the OnePlus 5 that came out just a couple yep. of months ago. And this one is uh, $500. And out of the box, it's smaller than the Google Pixel 2 XL, yep. which I currently own. And uh, I've noticed that it's very light weight and the screen looks gorgeous it's i really good, like huh? what yeah i'm i'm surprised at it I, I really like what they've done with the bezels there's not a lot of space on the sides of it and apparently the camera on this is really really good so i can't wait to start messing with that um i also noticed on the back of it the fingerprint sensor uh and this was something that i immediately noticed after i pulled it out of the box it's very flush with the back which may be an issue when you're trying to find it <laughs> uh, so I'll have to see how that goes. But in comparison to the Pixel 2 XL, it's very easy to find your uh, your fingerprint sensor. So that that might be a problem. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but I like the screen. It's very, very pretty. Yeah, I think for the money, it's great. I think the camera doesn't nearly live up to the flagships. But I mean, it is half the price almost um, as some flagships. And certainly yeah. two thirds of the price of the others. Uh, so that's, you know, um, another thing I wanted to, to mention, and I've mentioned it on the previous podcasts regarding some other phones, like the Essential phone, uh, that are flagship devices that are more affordable, but have generally a bit of a flaw, not a flaw, I wish that's the, not the right word. I'm thinking more like, are a little challenge in the imaging side of things compared to the big players. Um, mm. One way to fix that is to install the Google Pixel camera. Um, it's oh. not an official install from the Google Play Store. And this is not the Pixel 2 XL camera, 2 camera. It's the Pixel Pixel XL camera from last year. Uh, some, uh, you know, white hat hackers have um, made an APK available. I think it's on XDA forums or on uh, APK Mirror. Maybe I'll link this to the show notes when I find the right one. Uh, to basically just download the APK and install it. And it's designed to work on Snapdragon 821 and 835 devices. So that includes phones like last year's Pixel, uh, the G6, which is 821, uh, and the, the LG G6, and then some of the all the new you know 835 phones. Now, cool. it won't work on all of them because they need to have a lot of the Google frameworks in place. So like my Xiaomi um, Mi Mix 2, it doesn't work on that, even though it's Snapdragon 835 and has Google Play services and everything. But on my essential phone, it works. On my Moto Z2... Um, Force, which has a kind of challenge camera, it works. It works on the five, the five, the one plus five, the five T, awesome. and it improves the camera performance significantly because you get all the cool, you know, the kind of budding AI bits and pieces that we saw mature on the Pixel Two existed in the Pixel uh, original, uh, like HDR Plus and some some other trickery. So basically, you know, all the challenges that the hardware on these phones have 
uh, is kind of somewhat mitigated by some of the software chops that Google has. Woohoo! That's that's good to hear too, because I, you find with a lot of these phones, people will just strictly look at the specs, and uh, with cameras especially right now, you're able to do so much more with the software than you could a few years ago. So it's it's amazing. Like portrait mode is one of my favorite things ever. I totally. realize that you need like two lenses to make that really happen, but you can do really good portrait mode with software, which it just it's incredible i carry around a giant dslr camera a mirrorless camera and it's it's huge the thing is huge with the lenses that i put i've on seen it. you on your camera <laughs> yeah you have <laughs> at the conventions so being able to take really good pictures with a smartphone is important to me and that's something that i of course it's somewhat biased but it is something that is really important to me whenever i'm reviewing a phone so it's something that i pay a lot of attention to so i'm definitely going to be comparing the oneplus 5t to the previous oneplus 5 version from oneplus but i'm also going to be messing with it compared to the pixel xl uh, 2 phone as well just to see if there's a change in the camera or if you can do almost the same things with something that's like l half the cost yeah yeah i mean you'll i think it's perfectly serviceable even without the the installing the special pixel camera apk um cool. but it's not in the same league it's more like you know a flagship was a year ago not and non-pixel okay. a year ago so it's it's good it's an improvement of the five in some ways, uh, portrait mode is still there. The, the nice thing about installing the Pixel camera app is that you have two cameras to choose from, right? So you just, if you want to do all the trickery that the camera comes with, like the portrait mode, and, you know, uh, if you have a monochrome mode, like you're on a, the Moto Z4, Z2 Force, so you can still use that. And then if you want to, you know, take photos that are just using the main camera uh, and maximize what the main camera can do, then you run the Pixel camera app and boom you get all That's the benefits awesome. from google stuff yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome and one of the things a lot of people don't know about the google camera the the pixel original pixel camera is that there is a portrait mode in there mm, yes i always forget it's, about that portrait mode there is one <laughs> yeah it's kind of wonky because you have to kind of like rotate the phone upward a little bit like you know it's it's weird but but it's not you know, it's 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 basically by taking two photos with a little bit of parallax, it, it right. does pretty decent. And then it uses a lot of the AI chops that Google has to create port. And now it's not as good as the 2XL and the Pixel 2, which, right. you know, have a dedicated portrait mode because they use the dual pixel autofocus system to get, you know, an actual depth perception. They do I actually do depth perception with a single camera, which is the first phone in the world to do that. Yes, um, exactly. That's how the portrait works so well in the, uh, and then AI, they add a bunch of AI uh, machine learning algorithms to it to make it even more bonkers. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think you'll love the phone. I was in the same boat as you last Friday when I unboxed it an hour or half an hour before the show. Yeah. And now that I've played with it for the whole weekend and, and, and a day, Wow, it's a fantastic phone. I mean, I I believe I tweeted saying something like, "This is a glorious phone." It, I think it's glor It's amazing for the money. It's it's, you know, I think this ultra wide eighteen by nine screen thing. Once you've experienced it, you don't want to go back. You get so much more screen real estate in the same chassis size. That is just amazing. Oh, and one thing I love about this: there's a headphone jack. Yeah, there's a headphone yeah. jack. So I think, you know, phones that are not ultra widescreen are going to start looking so dated in about a year, <laughs> you know, 
So uh, the one, the OnePlus Five T is an example. I know HTC U11 Plus, which you know, no remedies the the uh, issues that that you, the U11 had, and not not the, not that it had many issues, but it certainly had that didn't have a flagship grade screen. So. Right. You know, this ultra-wide stuff, bezel-less, whatever you want to call it. And personally, I prefer fingerprint readers on the back, so I'm really happy the OnePlus 5T has a fingerprint reader on the back. Yeah, you know, I used to really like them on the front, but since I'm really enjoying the wider screens, um, it's something that I'm willing to forfeit for them to put it on the back instead. I oftentimes find in just personal use that I will leave a phone on the counter and then I'll watch a YouTube video or I'll leave audio running or something like that in the background. And at those times, I don't really need the fingerprint sensor. And that was the reason why I was using it on the front. But since I'm generally just using it in the background whenever it's on a counter, now it doesn't bother me as much that it's on the back. So it's it's something that I've gotten used to. I like it because when I'm, the phone is in my pocket and I want to pull it out. I can put my mm. finger easily on the, in, like my index finger on the back of the phone and unlock it while I pull it out of my pocket. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And and by the way, you said you found that the, the fingerprint reader is really flush on the back of the 5T. A yeah. solution to that is your press kit should have come with a whole bunch of cases. It did, Including yes. the translucent case that's provided in the box, in the in the main box. Yes, and it, those, it came with a slew of cases. <laughs> those will solve that problem of you fi- locating the uh, the uh, the thing, the oh, fingerprint good. reader. Good. Okay. Yep. That's good to hear. <laughs> Try that. Yeah. I yeah. I like OnePlus. You know, overall, I found that Me as too. a company, they've really listened to their their fan base. So anytime there's an issue that I've had with an older model of the phone, they've tend to integrate that in, integrate that into their newer models. So and you can't say that for every single company out there that makes smartphones, but OnePlus really seems to listen. And I I'm really glad that they do that. I I give them major props for doing that with their fan base. I agree. And you know, is it's it's you know, they've had some issues with some privacy stuff recently and I think, you know, at least they've addressed them I think relatively well and quickly and they haven't been all like, you know, trying to dismiss dismissive about it, which right. I think a lot of companies tend to kind of immediately fall into, which is sad. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad which other OnePlus well. which other OnePluses have you played with? Um, I've played with all of them so far. <laughs> all of them. One, two, me too. One, two, three, three T, five, five T. And then did you ever play yeah. with the OnePlus X? Um, oh, actually, They're kind no. of mid-tier phone. No, I did not. That was a sexy thing at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was a glass and, it was a glass and aluminum sandwich. So it had glass front and back. And, um, it had a really beautifully machined, um, kind of edge to it that was very yeah. unique um and uh you know for the time the specs were really quite decent for a mid-ranger it didn't have a fingerprint reader at all so that was a bit of a bummer but right right you know can't have it all so speaking of phones that kind of look and feel like the OnePlus 5t i was at a briefing today for the honor 7x from were huawei really? honor Ooh. Yeah, and you know what's cool is that that phone's been announced. Like, it's not n- not completely new. I think it was around Oct- November tenth that it was kind of like made public. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, and some people got hands on time. But I think that this they, they actually gave us review units, and I can't review the 
phone for you guys now. First of all, because I've only had it for a few hours, but also because you know there's a there's an embargo. But I can tell you that I'm very impressed, and they didn't give us a price. But I have a feeling it's going to be super competitive. We're talking like less than 250, maybe even as low as 200. Insane. Wow. Uh, for and it. So the reason I'm bringing it up is because if you looked at it side by side with a 5T, which I actually did since I brought my 5T with me to the briefing, they're almost identical aesthetically. So glass and aluminum unibody, dual camera on the back, full on 18 by nine, six inch, you know. 1080p screen in the front with bezel with few bezels, fingerprint reader in the mm-hmm. back. I mean, they almost look like dead ringers of each other, yet they are completely different companies and completely different price point. In the same way as the OnePlus 5T is like a super affordable flagship spec. This obviously doesn't have flagship specs, but it's, yeah. you know, we're going to look at something that's half the price of a OnePlus 5T, but it looks and feels like one. Wow, right? We live in an that's amazing impressive. time. I remember you know. when when the cheaper, inexpensive models of phones were terrible, and you did wow. not want to buy one of them. You you just wanted to opt for the more expensive models because there was no way you could even deal with the slowness of them or the terrible cameras. But nowadays, I can I can compare a OnePlus Five T to something that costs twice as much, and and their their software, their cameras, their specs are just so close in comparison that. Why would you spend a grand unless there's something very specific that you want from one of the premium phones? You can totally get away with getting one of the mid-tier or lower-tier ones and have no issues with it. So we have so much competition in this market that I feel like it's really, really decreased the prices that we used to see. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. We live in an amazing time. I, I, I finally feel for the last year that even if you buy like a really affordable phone, like the Moto E4, which costs $80 on Verizon as a prepaid phone, mm-hmm. you are not getting a crappy experience. And that right. is incredible to me. And, you know, it's, I will say that it's not the experience for me. And I know that overall, uh, technology has increased in price. So, you know, while, while we didn't see phones for $1,000 last year, we are seeing those premium phones for $1,000 this year. Uh, those, those inexpensive models, you're right, they're, they're getting much better. And I'm really happy to see that. I mean, it's nice for people to have choices. And, and, you know, I'm all for, like, we talked about net neutrality before. To me, the internet is a utility, and it is uh, something everybody should have access to. Like healthcare, mind you, which we don't have in this country, uh, right? universal healthcare. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I think uh, internet access should be universal, and because that should be really affordable, um, because it's... It, you know, opens doors for uh, education, opens doors to in- employment, to housing, to all kinds of things. It's it's become critical. And that's why to me, you know, seeing phones like the Moto E4 that are not crap and cost 80 bucks, it's like still 80 bucks, but it's, it's accessible. It means people are not SOL, regardless of their, you know, their income and their budget. And then, you know, there are phones, LG made a smartphone for $10 on a wa- at Walmart two years Whoa. ago. Yeah, and it wasn't, I mean, it was, you know, pretty low end, but if you, you know, needed an internet terminal, you had it. Like, you could browse the web, install Android apps at the time, and it all worked and had Wi-Fi. So even if you didn't buy cell phone service, you could go to a library and connect to the internet. Oh, that is awesome. That is incredible to me, right? I mean, 
it, it, I think somebody, I can't remember who it was, one of the big tech reviewers bought one and just reviewed it uh, just to kind of, you know, get a sense for like, is it is it complete crap, like unusable or is it worth, you know, at least potentially using? And the back, the, the, the end result was, yeah, it's, 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 it's not great, but it'll do the job if you really yeah, need of something. Course. And it was made by LG. So it wasn't like, you know, some kind of like really terrible like eBay special that you have no idea where it came from thing. That sounds like something that I would get for like some of the older generations in my family who still don't have cell phones to this day. They completely skipped it, <laughs> but they wow, could really? use one just, yeah, yeah. My, I still have family members that do not have smartphones. Yes, I, I have those family members. <laughs> but you said but cell phones, you mean smartphones. Smartphone, yeah, yeah, smartphone. They, right, right. they, not, they, they have don't have cell a cell phones. phone either. They carry oh, zero wow. mobile phones with them. Nothing. Yeah, I know. It's it's really weird. But this sounds so like something a... that I could gift them and they would actually yeah. use it because they they wouldn't have to deal with the cost and it would be something that they could take with them whenever you know there's an emergency or something especially if they're an older generation. So I feel like that'd be very useful. Maybe I should do that for Christmas. What do you think? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. Um, so how do you get in touch with them now? Do you just get like their voicemail all the time on their home yes. line when they're not home? I call their home or I text their wife who does have a smartphone. She has an iPhone, uh, so she's fine. <laughs> so wait, do you um, do they have like voicemail as part of their landline service? Or do they still have like an answering machine like with a cassette uh -huh. tape in it? They have, uh, it's it's a voicemail service with their home. Uh, they have, I believe it's Verizon or somebody, but it's their, their home phone uh, that they have a uh, messaging service with. I don't believe okay. they t have like an answering machine at home, but I'm pretty sure it's through the phone that they do. I was going to say if they have like a cassette tape answering. Do you remember those things? Yes, I remember one. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> old enough. Okay. Because, you know, kids these days, they don't know. <laughs> they don't know the troubles, the struggles we went through. I know. Right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel old. So t let's, t let's talk about laptops. Um, I currently am using a uh, Pixel book, which I got just before my trip to Portugal and Morocco, which was three weeks oh, ago. Cool. I didn't take it with me on the trip because I was like, I need... I need one laptop, not two, on a trip to, especially a trip to a place like Morocco, uh, where I'm going to be in the desert and stuff, right? So I want to travel light. So I took my MacBook 12-inch, which is super light, right? Obviously. And it does everything. It's not just a Chromebook. So I, if I really have to, like, be offline, I can do something. But yeah. that Chromebook is super sexy. It's one of the thinnest laptops I've ever seen. Certainly the thinnest two-in-one convertible. And... You know, I'm a big fan of Chromebooks because I think Chrome OS, you can do 99, well, not 99, but 90% of what you need to do on a Chromebook usually, especially yeah. in our world where we have ubiquitous internet and we can tether our phones um, or tether our laptops to our phones. Uh, and so this thing is super sexy. It, it, I mean, it's expensive. It's insane. I don't know if I'd want to spend $1,000 of my money on one of those, but damn, you see that thing, Shannon? And yeah. it's drool envy moment. 
So I've only seen pictures of it online. Maybe I should go visit you over in your uh, over in San Francisco because I would yeah, love to see over. this thing. Yeah, come on over and we'll do coffee and then you can play. It's it's super sexy. I mean, okay. it's honestly, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm not super, yeah. I'm not super excited about the design of the Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL phones. I actually feel last year's Pixel and Pixel XL were uh, a tighter industrial design. Yeah, uh, because there's uh, too much of a variation between the two and the two XL since the one was made by HTC and the other one was made by LG. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas last year, both were made by HTC and there was this consistency in design. And it's interesting because the you can tell the Pixel Book was designed with the aesthetic in mind of the old Pixels phones. Like it, it, it clearly was designed halfway through the design phase of the Pixel phones and the Pixel 2 phones. It does kind of look at... It does kind of look like that, like especially with the it hard belongs, lines on the edges. Yeah. It doesn't have like the curves except for the corners of it. And yeah. um, I also noticed that, you know, it doesn't have a edge to edge bezel on the front screen. The, of that's the Pixel book. one thing that I don't like about it. It has enormous bezels. Then again, mm. if you turn it over as a tablet, uh, it is a little easier to not cover the screen with your fingers that way but right i think that's the part they could have done a better job but it's a super high-res display and it's a touchscreen and it's super thin for a touchscreen and you know battery life is great it's completely fanless has a massive oh, ssd cool. in it like something like 64 or 128 gigs massive for a chromebook how about uh, ports how are the ports on it there's two USB-C and one headphone jack. Okay. So one on each side, and the USB-Cs are charge on each side. So you can pick whichever side you want to charge with. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I didn't you know, even sometimes think that would when be you're at a something that somebody you know would how think sometimes of. you're at a conference and you have like a, this outlet that you can't quite reach, yep. and it's on the wrong side of you, and the cord has to go around your laptop to the right side or the left side. Oh yeah, happens you don't have all the to time. worry about that anymore. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So, that's cool. Yeah, I would really cool. like to mess with the Pixelbook. Um, personally, I I usually use uh, more higher end laptops just because I like to edit on the go. I do a lot of Adobe yeah, Premiere yeah. Pro editing, so having all those applications and a lot of interior specs like hardcore gpu and ram and everything is very very important to me but for something that's you know mid-range not mid-price but mid-range as far as being able to do day-to-day tasks being able to do some gaming online uh not you know downloadable steam games but doing you know chrome games and stuff like that then this would be very favorable especially with the aesthetics the design is beautiful on it how's the keyboard i am curious about it's that it's great as well. That's the one thing that I love about it. The keyboard is fantastic. It's one of the best keyboards. It is, it's kind of shallower, not as shallow as the MacBooks, the new MacBooks, but uh, definitely shallower than the old MacBooks and most mm-hmm. uh, PC laptops, but it's still using scissor switches. So it does, you know, the problem with Apple's super shallow design, the, the butterfly design the, uh, is that these switches, when they uh, get, when they go bad, they're impossible to repair. Oh. Um, and and they they don't go bad often. I've got I've had my MacBook 12 inch for over two years now, and I've had zero issues with it. And I have crumbs that go in there and stuff. So you know, like take this with a grain of salt. But a few people I've heard have had things get stuck under the keys where the key doesn't work anymore, and they can't get it out because you can't mm-hmm. take the key off without breaking the mechanism. Yeah. Whereas scissor traditional scissor keyboards 
you can actually pop the key off, right? And get in there and vacuum the thing out, put the key back on and everything is back in business. So I like that it's shallow because I like shallow keyboards and I like that, but I still like that it's scissor uh, keys and there's really no no flex on that keyboard. It's, oh, you know, it's basically part of the unibody. It's super tight. And then there's a glass track pad, which is really responsive and beautiful, like all Chromebooks. And the palm rests are silicone. So they're like very, very comfortable. They feel really nice. Oh, cool. Yeah. They don't pick up and, dirt or anything uh, like that? No, surprisingly good so far. And if it's and it's a silicone, so it's super easy to clean. You just use water and it just comes right off. Everything. Oh, that's nice. It doesn't stain, you know, because it's silicone. And hot water particularly works really well. Um, and I think it might stain with some like things like dye. So you'd have to be really careful if you're using like if you're a maker and you're using leather dye or clothing dye while you're working on the laptop because I think uh, that would that would probably stain it permanently. <laughs> unless unless that's what you're going for. If it's just for. smudge and dirt, yeah, maybe you want that design. You want something funky. <laughs> yeah, some tie dye. <laughs> yeah, let's take a thousand dollars, not quite laptop, and put some. <laughs> funky designs on it uh, but um so we were talking about f laptops and you were telling me about you have a razor laptop right now and you also have an alienware since yeah. we're talking about heavy lifting you know hardcore <laughs> hardware here tell us about these two devices yeah, I actually, I sometimes end up with quite a few laptops just because it's one of the main things that I review. So I've been using a Dell XPS 13 Developer Edition for Linux, and I've been um, featuring that one on my my Hack 5 episodes about Linux tutorials, which is really fun, and it's a great machine. But the ones that I've really been messing with are the Alienware 13-inch uh, and the Razer Blade. Not the Razer Blade Pro, not the Razer Blade Stealth, but the mid-tier one that's called the Razer Blade, which is um, the one that comes with a full-on GPU, and it also comes with, uh, um, I believe mine has 16 gigs of RAM and a 500-terabyte uh, hard disk drive in it. So it has everything you would need if you need to edit video, which is wonderful. Now, I will say with the Razer Blade, uh, I previously had the 2016 version, and that one, the mouse pad gave out on me, the, the trackpad. Oh, no. So, yeah, it was weird. The left click stopped working. But did it for you? Well, I was going to say, like, I could... You know, or I could open up the backup backplate of it myself and try to fix it because I know how to take out the keyboard and everything. But that would have voided right. the warranty. So since it was Oops. still under, yeah, since it was still under a year, I just got in touch with them. The customer service was great and they responded really quickly. But when I got it back, one of the fans was screwed up. So I. I tweeted them. Jeez. I was so mad. And I was just like, hey, guys, what's up? Like, I get it back. And now the keyboard's not working. And one of the fans is broken. And I made a video of it. And uh, so I ended up sending it back in. And they upgraded it to a 2017 model instead. And that's what I have now. So that happened about two months ago. And luckily, the customer service was very good. I'll give them that. But unfortunately, you shouldn't receive your laptop back and have something else wrong with it so yeah, that was yeah. that was an issue so, so you bought this one this is I yours did. this is yeah your, I, your machine. I bought it for for ces 2016 or no it was ces 2017 uh, and i bought it in december of 2016 when i needed a year to, ago yeah when i needed to get some editing done for for the show floor and uh, it was very very important that i had this editing rig on the go for for work 
And luckily, they replaced it with the 2017 model. So that's the one I'm using now. And I'll be taking this one with me to CES 2018. And hopefully I won't run into any issues over this next year with this one since I have a new warranty with it. Sweet. Um, so is that the 13-inch or 15-inch laptop? Uh, this one is, I'm looking at it now, I think it's 15 inches. Yeah, it looks like it. It's like 14.6 inches, so it's a little bit under 15 inches, which makes it like kind of move around a lot if you get like a 15-inch case for it, unless you uh, buy the razor blade one. But luckily, I was able to find a really good case for it on Amazon that was just under 15 inches, so it fits really snugly. But yeah, it's it's right underneath 15 inches. The battery on it lasts a long time, like seven or eight hours, which is really, wow, really good. If I am awesome. editing full day, it will drop down quite a bit. Uh, to, I would say, like five or six hours of usage that I can get out of it, but still really, really good. And it also has plenty of hard drive space and everything on the inside, and you can play games on it, which is great. So if you're a gamer on the go, it's a really good model. Unfortunately, the thing is, though, with the Razer Blade, it is $2,000. So Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it went on Whoa. my credit card. I'll, I'll give it that. <laughs> I mean, look, it's not a ridiculous amount of money if you think that, you know, like a lot of people are MacBook Pro people, right? And they spend easily that kind of money, right? So. That is true. So I don't know. I think it's reasonable. I mean, my MacBook uh, 12 inch when I bought it, I maxed it out spec wise. Uh, it Ooh. was a built to order and it's $17.99. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's not even yeah. in the same league in terms of performance. Like. Not remotely, but it's super tiny and the battery life is pretty damn awesome. And uh, yeah, no, it's been good. I, I yeah. mean, I wouldn't use it as my main device at all. Like there's just no, not enough horsepower there. Uh, if you open more than like 10 tabs, you're, S, you're SOL. <laughs> it's oh, not a RAM I, issue. Well, I, it's could, just, I could definitely use the Blade or the Alienware as my as my on-the-go laptop as well as my day-to-day -day, um, work. Yeah, no, I bet. For sure. Really yeah, yeah, I know. No, for me, it's not a RAM issue. I've got eight gigs on there, which I think is generally plenty enough for the web. Um, but yeah. uh, it's just it's just the the the, the CPU can't keep up. It, it's right. a Pentium whatever M, like the, the mobile ultra you know ultra efficient thing, and it just okay. falls flat. I really hope that the next generation of the MacBook 12 inch. I, I hope they don't get rid of the, rid of the form factor because I love how tiny it is, and the screen on it is gorgeous. It's Retina and everything, but oh, cool. it's it's like I want to see a processor that can keep up. And this is the thing about the Chrome, uh, the the Pixel Book, the Chromebook, is that it has no fan and it has real Intel i5 and i7s in there. That's really nice. Yeah, and it's the no last generation. Fans, so you don't get any noise. With no fans. Yeah, yeah. And so I like the fanless thing on the on the MacBook, but I need I need to see uh, you know a bump up to an i5 or i7 because that's just ridiculous. I mean, in fact, yeah. I think I felt like in a way I felt like it was a downgrade because I came from a MacBook Air 11 inch uh, which at the time was like a Haswell, I think. And you know, I was Core i7 Haswell. And I went to a MacBook 12 inch with this, you know, dink, dinky Pentium mobile thing. And it was just <laughs> like, ugh, immediately I noticed it. Not um, ready for that. And I mean, and I do it and, and you're going to, you're going to like cringe, but I do edit video on it sometimes when I'm at trade shows and stuff like basic you stuff, really? you know, just, 
Yeah, it works because Apple has super optimized rendering, right? So I, as long as I um, tell it to like, you know, show me everything in like SD or, or 720p. Um, oh, and yeah. then I, I, and I remember I only do 1080p max. I never do 4K. So, I mean, ultimately, but when I render, it has all these optimized co-processing chips built in there that do a really good job at, at, and, and it's tightly coupled with the OS. So it does a really, really good job at rendering, uh, no matter what software you use, really. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's still not as fast as rendering on a MacBook Pro or even on your right. Razor or whatever, but it's it's manageable. Like, it's not, that's that's one thing that was the past, that the, to me was a critical test to pass for me to switch over to the MacBook 12 inch was I can kind of live with a little bit less CPU power for a trade show for a few days. But if it didn't render video at least as fast as my previous machine, then I was I was SOL. And that's not yeah. been an issue. So Yeah, that's yeah. a big thing for me was rendering times. And I, I will say both the Alienware 13 and the Razer Blade uh, do about a one-to-one -one ratio with rendering times uh, compared to the, the file size. So if the file is like 15 minutes long, the render for a 1080p right. file will be... Uh, it'll take 15 minutes or less in some occasions. So you'll so, be impressed that yeah. I can do sub sub one to one on my 12 inch MacBook. With yeah, I can I can definitely do sub one to one most of the time. But if it requires like if there's a load of B roll and there's tons yeah, and yeah. tons oh, of different yeah. layers Forget on the it. timeline, yeah. then it's going to take a lot longer. But for my normal <laughs> day to day usage, yeah, it'll, it'll do less than or it'll do better than one-to-one. -one. <laughs> so Alienware 13 versus Razer. Well, I mean, the 13 versus 14 point something inch different yeah. form factor, right? But like, what, you know, tell us a little bit what, uh, what your thoughts are on that. So the 13 obviously should be smaller, but because it has a, the Alienware that is, but because it has a big uh, battery on the back of it, a lot of the times the razor blade will fit better into my laptop bags because <laughs> the Alienware 13, while it has a, you know, 13 inch screen, the battery on it just pops out like nothing I've seen before. And it ends up being very heavy. So for travel and on the go, I prefer the razor blade uh, because it fits so much better into bags. And it's a little bit, um, uh, a, a little bit thinner than the, the Alienware 13. Uh, but the Alienware 13, on the other hand, has every single port I could ever want. So it's kind of a trade-off. Either you get all the ports and it's a little bit heavier and, you know, you have a giant battery on the back, or you take the razor blade and you lose a few ports, but you also get a better fit. So, right. yeah, but both of them cost about the same if you want the same specs. So it really depends, and, and like, which which company, I guess, you prefer because they're both gaming companies. They're competitors to each other. So right, really, exactly. it's like, which one do you want? <laughs> And do you do they both have USB C and Thunderbolt Thunderbolt three over USB C? Um, they both have USB C. I believe they are both Thunderbolt as well. Cool. Yes, they are. And um, are they like the, the some of the earlier uh, Razer laptops had the like the trackpad on the side? This one is in the middle, right? Yeah. I remember that when the trackpad was on the side, that was weird and janky, and I did that not like weird. it at all. Okay, no, good. they have it in the middle. Which is oh, good, good, a good. very good thing. Yeah, if it was still on the side, I would not buy that at all. But no, yeah, they have it in the middle. Be... 
But they do have right. separate left and right clicks, which some people don't like. Um, I prefer it. I really like it when they have a left and right click that is separate from the full trackpad, because then I can do, I don't know, I feel like I can be more precise with my mouse movements. So something I can to see that. think about. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, what was I going to ask you? Um, so have you ever used any laptop? Like I have a, so in terms of units, we spoke about Alienware, which is kind of Dell. Um, I have an XPS 13 2-in-1, you know, the little convertible tablet laptop, super light, thin, 13-inch thing. Yeah. And I have to say, it's one of my best Dell experiences to date. I don't have a lot of track record. Like, I maybe review one Dell laptop every two years or so. So I've, you know, the caveat is it's not like you who touches a lot of Dells. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have to say, like, this is the first Dell that I felt like, oh, I could buy this. This is solid. Like the trackpad, yeah. particularly. The big thing as a Mac and Chromebook user going, doing Windows from time to time is that I get really frustrated with the trackpad experience, right? Mm -hmm. I'm used to super, super responsive, super smooth, super, you know, sensitive in, in the right way. Um, trackpad, especially on these full, full, full on, no clicky, like, you know, the whole thing clicks trackpad and for a long time the pc world just couldn't deliver and i couldn't i just couldn't understand i'm like come on like somebody's got to do it right and boom that xps 13 2 in 1 is the first laptop that out of the box i was like this trackpad rocks Woohoo! Oh, that is awesome yeah, yeah i really so like was... the trackpad as well i got to review it um whenever it came out it was a couple of months ago i want to say and yeah the... it was like in the summer yeah, I really like the two-in-one. I was impressed by it. I loved the fact that it was so responsive whenever you change it from keyboard or when you you change it from laptop to either tent mode or tablet mode. Like it, it like a split second, the thing would switch over. And I was very, very happy with that because I've reviewed some two-in-ones in the past that would either freeze up on you on the screen and they'd just be like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, why are you switching me? Oh, oh, I'm supposed to <laughs> yeah. go into tablet mode. And then they would switch and I'd just be like, come on. I don't got time for this. <laughs> it's like, so it was sorry, actually I'm going to take responsive. a break right now and yeah. uh, I'll come back and maybe you'll have this sorted. The uh, the CPU in it, I believe, was a little bit slower than the XPS 13 laptop, uh, but not enough to really make a difference in day-to-day -day usage. So if you wanted to find a two-in-one that allows you to do everything that you could basically do in a workday, I, I really suggest the two-in-one because it works great. Yeah, I know it's really a great laptop. I'm really happy with it. The only problem I had with it was within a month or so of using it, my headphone jack broke. Oh, no. Yeah, it stopped working on one channel. And I, I didn't put any stress on it, so I'm not quite sure what happened. Uh, I let them know, and they were like, oh, so sorry. And uh, they didn't replace... I mean, this is a review unit. They didn't replace it. I said, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Like, I have... Um, it's USB. It's got USB C on uh, two two ports actually. So I I think it's two ports. So I actually I have um I use these on my phones. I have like this uh, external amp DAC and amp um, mm. from a FiO that I use. That's really high quality. Oh yeah, those uh, are it's good. It's got USB. You know, it's USB C, and so I plug it into the laptop, and I instantly have basically super high quality audio and a headphone jack. So I was like, in a sec, it's it's a pain, it's a dongle, but it's always in my bag anyway. So yeah. whatever, you know. Um, but that's the only problem I had with that XPS 13. I'm sure that's just an odd an oddity. Like I don't think it's uh, something I would you know knock it for because you know sometimes this stuff happens especially mechanical things are 
they're they're for more fragile than all the electronics, so it's gonna yeah, be bad. So very true. Well, I know yeah. you know my co-host Patrick Norton Miriam, and yeah, he, yeah, his biggest concern with every Dell laptop is the fact that they put the webcam at the very bottom of the screen, oh, so God, yeah. you get nose cam whenever you're that like podcasting. <laughs> But Nose the nice cam. thing about the two-in-one is that when you flip it over in, into tent mode, it, it also flips over the camera. So the camera ends up being on the top side of the laptop, which is great because then you don't th- get that nose cam. <laughs> so yeah, anytime, and tent mode is kind of perfect for doing like Skyping, right? Yeah, you can exactly. be hands-free, so yeah. Anytime you want to use it with the conf- that configuration, it's perfect in tent mode since it does flip over the camera as well. And um, I think that's worthy of a mention because we, we give Dell a lot of crap for putting their webcam at the bottom of the, the of the monitor. Even though, of course, I know it's because the bezels are so nice, but come on, like webcams yeah. belong on the top. They do. I agree. I mean, that you look, you all, we all look better with the cams on the top. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say related to that? I, uh, I like the keyboard. I like the display. I don't know what version of the display I have. Uh, if it's like the super high res or the regular, I think it's just the regular cause it's like yeah. a four I five model. So I don't think it's a super fancy one. Um, and, oh, oh yeah, USB-C on this is for charging as well. And this is one of the things I have to tell you, having a 12-inch MacBook and this USB-C-based uh, uh, XPS 13 and uh, the previous Pixel uh, laptop from Google, the Chromebook, which had USB-C for charging, and now the Pixel book that also has USB-C for charging, and all yeah. my phones are USB-C for charging. I live in a magical world. <laughs> where I can carry one charger that car- charges all my devices. Woohoo! It Isn't is it so wonderful? good. Yeah, yeah. I actually um, have this uh, third-party 60-watt charger uh, made by a company whose name completely escapes me, and I cannot reach right now to get the... But I'll, I'll link down in the notes. Uh, I think I mentioned in the podcast a few weeks back, um, they gave me a review unit. It's twice the size of of the Apple iPhone charger. Whoa. So if you stack two iPhone chargers end to end into like a longer vertical double cube. Yeah. Um, imagine that with in the end, instead of a USB type A, it has a USB-C plug and then it comes with a C2C cable and it's up to 60 watt. So it'll charge m- almost any USB-C laptop, any USB-C phone, and it's much more compact than even Apple's USB-C charger. Wow. So uh, it's pretty cool. I carry that one around everywhere I go. And, you know, it's basically one adapter that does it all. You've got to hook me up with their name so I can buy I one. Will, that sounds I will, cool. I will. Um, once we end the recording, I will, I'll give you the deets. <laughs> uh, but I'll put it in the show notes as well. Uh, the cool thing, too, is that I have these adapters that I found, like, on eBay or I think it was Amazon, where USB-C to micro-USB-C. Uh, sorry, micro USB, USB-C to um, lightning. They're tiny, sh- short little things. So I carry those in my bag too. So that, like if a friend needs a charger and they're in an iPhone, I, pl- I, you know, I pull in my, my monster 60 watt beast that can charge anything. And I plug this tiny little adapter and I plug into their iPhone. And guess what? With the new iPhones, the, f- the 8 and the 8 plus and the 10, they get fast charge. Oh, cool. And they're like, whoa, what is this weird magical USB-C world you live in? <laughs> and I'm like, not a world you live in, clearly. Obviously. Those iPhone users. 
<laughs> well, personally, I have not used one of the new iPhones myself since uh, uh, my coworker hasn't bought one. He's the only iPhone user that I work with. And I'm an Android girl, so I have yet to see the iPhone 10 in person from one of my friends. And I am too lazy to go to an Apple store myself. It is a sexy thing. Yeah. And, but as you know, as Android girls ourselves, we look at this thing and go, wow, look, Apple made an Android phone right on. Ah, that's true. Like, no, yeah, I, mean, I noticed that a lot of the this, this features and specs that they've included in them, we've already had in one phone right. or another with Android. And, you know, the fact that it looks, you know, it does, it has a very distinctive look with the notch and stuff. But I mean, what my, the point is being a kind of almost full screen phone, it reminds us of a lot of the existing full screen Android phones in a mm. way. So, so to me, that's kind of the joke. I, I know it's an iPhone and it's different and it does some really great, crazily awesome things. I think face idea is brilliant and I think yes. it's going to only get better. And I think it eventually we'll look back at this as like a, a turning point. Like, just like we look back at, Hey, geez, fingerprint readers that work. Remember when they didn't work on phones? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Apple made that possible, I think. But look, I love Apple because I'm a Mac user. I'm just not a big fan of iOS and iPhones. I will buy an iPhone 10. I just haven't gotten around to it. I didn't manage to get one on launch day because I want an unlock one. And that was really hard to get um, because they don't sell an unlock one in the US yet. Uh, uh, so I'm waiting to uh, both be in Portland at my second residence where I pay no taxes if I buy some stuff. And... <laughs> And uh, have the unlocked version available. And I'm going to buy just the base storage one just because I need to experience it. I think it's a milestone in the in the mobile phone world. No, whether I'm an Android person or not, I have to admit that this phone is super sexy. And yeah, it, definitely. It, 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 is, it is historically significant. So I need to play with it. Um, and I've, I've started with iPhone. That was, well, I started with Palm, a Palm Central yes! back in the day. But <laughs> and then I went to iPhone and iPhone was my very first uh, like full on legitimate smartphone over 10 years ago. Gosh, it was a long time ago. And then I switched to Android, uh, mostly because I'm I'm a hacker. I like to have a lot of open concepts. I like exactly. to be able to do a lot of stuff outside of, you know, an Apple store. And uh, Google gives me the, those options. Now, of course, course, for, you know, a, a user who is not a information security professional or something like that, you probably want an iPhone because it is more secure. There are a lot of people that use in the InfoSec community that use iPhones because they are more secure and they need those for their government or contractual work. Yeah. So and Face ID is one of the most secure um, implementations of security protocols that we've seen in smartphones, which is excellent. Absolutely excellent. And their encryption is amazing too. Speaking so, of, sorry, go, go on. Sorry. So I, I have a lot of pro things to say about iPhone. I am not an iPhone hater by any means. It's just not my, my thing. It's, I just like Android. Yeah, me too. I feel more comfortable there. My segue was going to be that uh, the 5T, the, the, the OnePlus 5T has a face ID feature. It's not face ID. Like it has a face unlock feature which is uh, not usable for like you know banking apps and stuff but it actually works quite well and i've implemented it together with my fingerprint oh, cool. um, and i find that i most of the time just push the power button look at the phone and i'm in yeah and it's not like the photography face id 
feature that Android has had for many years now since Ice Cream Sandwich. It, it's not the retina scan and the face ID that Samsung offer on the S8 and the Note 8. Mm-hmm. This is kind of their own implementation and it, it uses, you know, it does face uh, face geometry analysis. It's very interesting. I mean, it's certainly not as secure, you know, uh, but I feel confident enough um, using it just because it's interesting and, cool. you know, it's kind of like uh, kind of a halfway step to to the real thing. And the first time I've used any kind of face authentication on an Android phone that I feel was secure enough to, for me to be comfortable and at the same time reliable, which yes. is very rare thing. on the other devices. So that you should try that out. I think it's cool. The only time it doesn't work is in low light. So because it doesn't project a grid like the Face ID stuff does. So mm. you have to have some light. But then if it's too dark, just use your fingerprint, right? But, yeah, uh, of course. In most situations in everyday world, it just it's very fast too. It's just great. So let's see. We segued back to phones because of USB Type-C. Um, USB Type-C, there's a lot of people who you know crank, are cranky that you know you need adapters for a lot of stuff and the chargers are not always compatible between PD and quick charge and all that. You know what? The reality, though, is that it's a, it's a godsend for someone like me who has as many devices as I have to have a universal connector. Um, yes, there are flaws. Yes, there are problems. Uh, but it's still a much better world. And you know, a lot of people say, how can you say that? You have a MacBook 12-inch with a single USB port. Well, I do have <laughs> dongles. And I at dongle world dongle life is my life and it's not so bad um uh, we're at the stage now two and a half years into it where there are a lot of really nice cheap beautifully made in fact matching the apple aesthetic dongles that are not made by apple that are much more useful than the apple dongles um i was in uh, hong kong about a month ago and uh, i was at a xiaomi store and they sell a dongle there for 20 bucks Uh, let me just pull it out because it has I'll tell you what it has. It has two USB-A, a USB Type-C for input for charging, uh, and DisplayPort. And uh, it costs 20 bucks. And it's wow. in the Apple, you know, white uh, design aesthetic. That's really cool. So we're getting that- to a point where this doesn't really matter so much anymore, in my opinion. And it's super small and light as well. So I'm definitely one of the people who's like, Oh, I'm not sure about USB-C, but then I started working with it and I was like, oh, I am a USB-C convert now. The only thing I miss is that a lot of companies have taken away that headphone jack for USB-C. Oh, yeah, that's not right. You, the security of Bluetooth is nowhere near the security of an analog line. So for me, using Bluetooth is completely unacceptable, especially if I'm at a convention or something like that. So I just, I won't be able to use headphones at all whenever I go to conventions unless I have a dongle and And then I'm going to lose my dongle I know I know it's (laughs) it's sad and you know for me as somebody who really cares about audio quality the dongles don't sound as good because the DACs and the amps they put in them don't sound as good and and then you know the you lose them and then there's the issue of you know Bluetooth doesn't sound as good even with the best codecs and as you said it's not secure I mean the list goes on it's just a nightmare. I just, I kind of hate Apple for doing this. I blame Apple. Mm-hmm. And then thankfully Samsung, Samsung and LG didn't follow suit, but Google did. And as much as I love my Pixel 2 XL, oh man, I'm I'm really not happy with that lack of headphone yeah. jack. I'm not yeah. happy about it either. <laughs> it's wrong. Google, it's wrong. And here, do you want to hear the killer? Here's the kicker and killer is that 
Apple still sells all their MacBooks with a headphone jack. And Google sells the Pixel Book with a headphone jack. Yeah, so like what? what? So they know you need it whenever you're on like a laptop. Why not just keep it in the phones? I don't mind less of screen area if it means that I have a headphone jack. Ugh. You do realize in about six months to a year, we're going to have the same conversation after Apple removes the headphone jack from the new MacBooks. <laughs> yeah, and we'll be, that's remember true. when we said, and wah, 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 sad trombone. Mm-hmm. Um, what other laptops? Oh, uh, Surface Book, not Surface Book, Surface Laptop. I did ah. mention this in the podcast a while ago, about a month and a half ago or so. I, I, Microsoft finally gave me a Surface Laptop about three or four months late but you know what that's cool um and i have to say you know i've 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 tell you shen one of the things about apple laptops in my in my experience and my opinion is that it's such a great tight hardware software experience like they're they're so closely coupled and for me as you know also a hacker girl i like having a command line that's unix right not linux it's but it's unix on the mac which i love and so that's part of the reason I'm a big macOS um, fan. But the Surface laptop is the first Windows 10 or Microsoft Windows laptop or device I have ever used in my life that I felt like in terms of presentation, unboxing, first use experience matched an Apple device. Wow. It that's felt impressive. so tightly integrated to me. Like I... The trackpad is so smooth, even smoother than the XPS 13 2-in-1. Like, the, just everything, there were no drivers to install. Everything just worked out of the box. There were a couple of updates, but they were just Windows updates, and they went really fast. It just felt so refined and polished, the first use out-of-box experience, that I was like, finally, Microsoft has nailed it. And I think it's they've nailed it because they control the hardware and the software. Yeah, you know, I think you're right on that. I think you're right. Because you you don't you haven't seen any competi- competitors to uh the the Apple uh laptops like you've seen with this Windows laptop. Now, I haven't gotten to play with one myself, any of the Surface laptops, but my coworker uh has one. He owns one and he has been able to do editing on it, which is just amazes me that he can do that on it. Uh <laughs> just because it doesn't have like an yeah, the specs Nvidia. Are great. Yeah. Doesn't have an Nvidia in it, so I'm just like, "What? How how does this work?" It's just like Intel integrated graphics, but yeah. it works and it works so good. It's fluid, it's consistent, and you see this this beauty with it that you really don't see with a lot of other Windows laptops. So I, I have to give Windows uh, major props on what they've been doing with the Surface laptop. Yeah, I think Microsoft is onto something. And honestly, I have to tell you, I think Windows 10 is a great OS. It's the first win- version of Windows where I really feel like, yeah, I could live with this. It's fine. You know, I, I would have to install the Linux tools, you know, the GNU tools and all that Linux right. tool chain stuff. But I'd be happy. It's it's good enough. It's fine. <laughs> it, it's not driving me mad. The only time I kind of get a little cranky is when the updates take a bit too long. You know, yes. uh, as a Mac user, like on a Mac, every now and then it'll pop a corner thing saying, hey, you have an update. Uh, we're installing it in the background and then like a few minutes later it'll pop up another thing saying reboot at your convenience and uh, we'll reinstall we'll do the magic and then you reboot and it takes you know a minute and you're back in and you're done but and Chromebooks are even better Chromebooks just like pop a little dialogue at the bottom saying restart to upgrade and you can do it anytime (laughs) and you click the restart to upgrade button and the thing restarts and you're literally instantly at the login screen 
Like oh, that's there's so cool. no, there's zero timing up. Like it does everything in the background. Um, but uh, Windows still has a bit of a lag there. And I think they need to work on that. I think that's something that, you know, I've had a few friends at trade shows that use my Windows machines, kind of get SOL when they restarted their computer and some update had been applied while the computer was asleep and plugged into power, right? Where it was still essentially running in the background. And the the thing took 20 minutes to reboot because they had to install all this crap. And they're trying to get work done, right? They're freaking out. Right, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. You you can't do this. This is not right. Like, at least prompt people or something. I don't know. It's weird. One of my biggest concerns with Windows 10, of course, was the the security settings that they have whenever you boot it up. But if you go through them and you pay attention and you read everything, then you can turn pretty much everything off. Uh, Of course, they try to opt you into like collecting keyboard data and stuff like that, which you want to turn off from a security (laughs) set. Yeah, it is. You should watch my 30 day security challenge that I recently did on tech things. So I I went through all of those different settings and told you how to turn them all off. It's very, very nice. And there's a lot to it. Do you want to send me a link to that after the show we record? Because I want to put that in the, (laughs) I want to put that in the show notes. I totally can. Yeah, it was, it was basically like 30 days of security challenge videos that I did for 30 days straight. It was a lot of work. But um, my last one is or my last few are coming up this week, actually at the end of November. So I did each day on a different topic. And one of them was all about Windows 10 security settings. So I, I talked through how to turn all that stuff off, even including the newest fall creators update and some of the new changes in there. So it's um, good information to know if you're using Windows 10, but also if you're using older Windows 10 versions as well, you should pay attention to the security settings in those too. Uh, but with the Surface laptop, nice thing is there's not going to be, you know, additional bloatware from other companies. Yeah, that's really good. Which is really, really nice and Although will the, save you some trouble. The XPS 13 that I got was very clean. I was very impressed by the lack yes. of crap on it. Yeah, so, XPS uh, or Dell has done a really good job with that. Wow, I remember back in the day when a Dell computer was like, it would take 30 minutes to boot the first time just because of all the stuff it would have to uncrud <laughs> uh, or crud old? up, rather. <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I was for a long time a Windows user, and um, but also a Unix user and Linux user, both yep. Unix on like workstations in the 90s like suns and silicon graphics and stuff oh wow I was, in, I was doing r&d jobs so i was access to like really cool computers um but also linux of course because it was a kind of a cheap alternative throw a pentium in a box and boom you get some cheap unix there with linux we love linux everybody loves linux linux is the basis for android Woo! yeah i love See? linux it's i know my everybody loves linux so anyway <laughs> um you know i was on windows and linux and unix and in the early 2000s, I was really cu- like drooling about the, the the Mac hardware. It's the hardware that was getting me. Like I was like, yes. oh God, this hardware. And then they switched from OS 9 to Mac OS 10, uh, OS 10, now known as Mac OS. And oh, I'm like, oh my God, it's Unix. Want is even stronger. So I saved <laughs> all my pennies and I bought like, um, what was it? A PowerBook 12 inch. Oh, wow. And that thing, like, I, I literally, I think after two hours of it, I was like, I'm never going back. Like, wow, this is amazing. Like, where have you been all my life, right? Wow, I've got that's Unix, impressive. 
I've got beautiful hardware. The software is doesn't get in my way. It's simple. I can get productive. I don't have to worry about tweaking things. Because in Windows, I was always like, oh, okay, let's go in the registry and do this and that. And, <laughs> yep. and then I'd be like, oh, my computer's borked. Oh, well. Um, but now, like, I don't even have the temptation. You know, with Mac, it's just like, whatever, you know. I just use it with all defaults almost. I think I only have like a custom screen background. That's it. (laughs) Wow. And I've got a few preferences that I set that, you know, over the years I've kind of developed into. I've turned off a lot of the new stuff that Apple's added over the years. Like, you know, because I'm like an old curmudgeon. It's like, (laughs) I don't need no stinking whatever it is that you added, like control panel, whatever the, the, what is it called? The (laughs) notification tray. I don't need this. Get off my lawn. (laughs) But there are some things that I adopted over time that I felt really were major improvements, like, uh, uh, you know, um, the ability to search system-wide, right? Spotlight, huge improvement. Uh, What else did I adopt? Uh, Time machine for backups? Phenomenal. It's just great. Um, Stuff like that, right? But there's a lot of stuff, like, in the new, you know, dashboard. I was like, get off my lawn, you kids. I don't need no dashboard. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> warning my cat just decided to jump up on my computer desk so she, you might hear her <laughs> well it's good to have some purring on the show um but you know what we need to wrap up anyway so why don't you uh pimp yourself and tell people where they can find you and online on on twitter and all that good stuff oh yeah sure so my twitter is snubs s-n-u-b-s so it's really easy to find i was lucky and got a five character twitter pass or twitter character name my password is much longer than that don't worry (laughs) (laughs) and um you can also that's where i do a bunch of talking about uh information security my own personal feelings on things so if you want to get to know me as a person that's the place to do it and you can also find my shows uh again those were hack five and tech thing i already told you what they're about but you can find those over on YouTube, youtube.com slash H-A-K-5 for Hack 5 and youtube.com slash T-E-K thing. That's T-E-K-T-H-I-N-G for tech thing. And both of those, we do weekly shows as well as a bunch of little projects that we post over and over again. Like my 30-day security challenge is up now on Tech Thing's YouTube channel. So definitely check them out. And of course, if you have any questions about anything um, technology or InfoSec related, hit me up on Twitter because that's the place I'm most active. Yay, Twitter. I mean, I'm having a hard time saying that these days because I, I know, right? Me think too. Twitter's kind of broken, but at the same time, I love Twitter and I was there so early. Me too. Um, you guys know where to find me uh, at TNKGRL, like Tank Girl without the vowels, on Twitter. And of course, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Miriam Schwartz. My full name spelled out, Miriam with a Y. Uh, that's where you'll find videos to go along with this show. Basically, any new phone I get, any new laptop, whatever, I'll unbox and talk about. And you can like look at in high res at all the goodness so that you know what you talk, what you're hearing because, you know, audio doesn't bring you that stuff so subscribe to the podcast subscribe to the youtube channel and all that good stuff and thanks for being on shannon it was a pleasure hey thank you yeah it was so fun to do a show with you i know we should do more let's do more i would love to all right cheers everybody bye this has been the mobile tech podcast with tank girl proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com you can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.